All right, hello, and welcome everyone to another episode of Waiting to Be Signed, the show where we discuss the week's events in generative art. My name is Will, and I'm joined by Trinity. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer. We are here to talk about art, not just the aesthetics, but the money surrounding it, as the market is a key part of art on the blockchain. That said, nothing we say here should be taken as financial advice. It is just for fun and conversation. You can follow us on Twitter at Waiting to Sign to keep up with our thoughts throughout the week. Or for those who prefer a visual language on Instagram at Waiting to Be Signed. Or for those who prefer a decentralized social platform on Farcaster at WTBS. If you are feeling generous, we are always accepting donations, including tokens, to our Tez wallet address, WTBS.Tez, or our ETH wallet address, WTBS.ETH, which I just renewed, by the way. The best way you can support the show is by subscribing to our Patreon. It's a great way to use your real-world dollars to support two real-world people. Trinity, you and me, two real-world people. How's it going? I feel very real. It's great. How are you? <laughs> I'm questioning the realness, the dichotomy of realness ever since our interview with Yasek <laughs> a couple of days ago. How so? I don't know. I just feel like it got so philosophical and heady and just my digital life becoming my real life and Baudelaire was mentioned and it got very, what would you call it, college philosophy class type of conversation for a, a minute there. <laughs> Which makes sense and is to- totally warranted. What Will is alluding to is the fact that we did not jinx our Yasik interview last week. We did record with him earlier this week. Anybody who loves Hollow, Unbuilt, Barbarians, Conterra, Degrowth, if you want to go deep, great interview. And I think you're saying that you're in the middle of editing it. No, I'm done. Oh, I see, sent you're it done. Out. You get to listen to it twice. I am in, I'm out, in one year, out the other. It's the second listen where you really really get to absorb all the content. And, uh, you know, obviously we've been huge fans of his for a long time. We've had a couple of false starts with interviews with Yasek, And then finally it came together around this verse solos release coming up. And I think we obviously knew the guy was educated, right? He's an architect. He's obviously a coder. PhD. <laughs> yeah. PhD. But just hearing him speak thematically about his work and the really high conceptual ideas that are driving his vision to create. That was really special. I, I was really happy with that one. If you want to learn more about barbarians as well, and you know, we spend a lot of time just talking about that in the year long process of creating it and just some of the ideas behind the concepts, it has made me more excited for the project, knowing a little bit more about oh, yeah. it. I'm not trying to preliminary, like pre shill barbarians <laughs> in any way, shape or form, but you know, as Will said, we're both really big fans, and this is 100% on my radar to collect without a doubt. Yeah, definitely. So Trinity, well, I want to check with you. How was your week? Because I had something fun that I did last weekend that I wanted to tell you about. You could go ahead and share. I, I followed what you were doing on Instagram. Yeah, so our, our friend here in the building, it was her birthday, and I'm sure I've talked to you about how much I've come to love the game Survivor, the show Survivor, the last few years, and this idea of, oh, like, well, for my birthday, like, maybe we can do a, like a big Survivor party. And I was like, well, I've got a background in game design. I'm a fan of the show. Like, maybe I can make a afternoon long Survivor game. And, you know, goddamn, I pulled it off. <laughs> I really pulled it off. 
you know, going back to the earliest days, you know, of us making kind of like social games, right? Like party games, just pulling on all of that background and trying to tie it in thematically to some of the stuff you see on Survivor with the voting and the types of challenges and games that they were on the, on, uh, the show. Over six hours, we did a 13-person game. And by the end of it, people were like, there wasn't tears, but there was definitely a lot of fraught um, vote casting and I don't know what to do and backstabbing and betrayals. And we made fire. We did so much crazy stuff. So I think I'm going to start a franchise. You know, this, if, if we end like, the show, like- <laughs> yeah, if we end the show, it's because I'm making too much money running survivor games in North New Jersey <laughs> for people. <laughs> You know, I, I think that people are looking for fun outdoor activities that are on brand, on theme. People also like lighting fires. People also like crying, uh, usually. <laughs> it sounds great. So I don't know how much time you want to spend on this, but what was the process to create something like this? How long did it take you to come up with some of the challenges? It was actually kind of made me think of like Jan leeches like it's 90% concept and 90% just like mental work and then 10% actual execution. So it was a lot of just passively thinking about like, here's a type of challenge that they do on the show. How can I adapt that for an apartment or rooftop setting with limited supplies and make it fun? And once I had it all kind of figured out, I would just like make little notes. And then it was just a matter of ordering things on Amazon, (laughs) you know, to get like buying some rope on Amazon to do a untie massive entangled pieces of rope challenge or getting a bunch of chopsticks to make people tether them together to like reach the burner on the stove to quote unquote make fire, you know, like just trying to approximate a lot of the themes. So I think I probably spent like six or so passive hours or just kind of like thinking and grinding through visualizing how it would play out. And then the rest was ordering stuff. And then the hour before the people arrive, just setting up the very first challenge and we have to do it live, right? You can't kind of set up everything in advance. And we don't have the luxury of being at like a big campground or something where I could have done it all the day before. So it all had to be done on the fly. So I had to think about that and it was great. I mean, I rarely get to exercise this part of my brain anymore professionally. So it felt awesome to pull it off. <laughs> Sounds like you should have a new hobby and I'm glad it w- went well. One of the guys who played, he has like a side business doing parties. So I, I, if I ever hang out with him again, I'm going to be like, I know you had fun. Like, what do you think we can charge for this? Like four grand? Like what's it? <laughs> what, would, what, a six, what would a six hour Survivor game experience be? I mean, also baking in the fees to get sued, right? By CBS. <laughs> That's true. I think we have to call it something different. We'd have to call it like survival competition game or something, right? Yeah. Something true. Like I hadn't thought about that, but you know what? In that in that scenario, you kind of just do it until it gets big enough, and you've made enough money that then they notice, and then you just stop. You know, you take the C and D, and hopefully, you walk away with a lot of money. But it doesn't become a problem it. until you're successful. Yeah, or you sell it. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I just thought you as a as a fellow former game designer, you might appreciate <laughs> hearing a little bit about that. I was so curious, just seeing it kind of unfold on like Instagram. Mm-hmm. I was like, I have no idea what this is or why this is. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Will is now Jeff Probst. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. People were calling me Jeff, but it completely drained my social battery. Like for the next two days, I was just like, I'm done. I'm cooked. I I can turn it on, but then I have to chill for a couple of days and I can't just keep going at that pace. So I can relate. 
heavily to that. It's one of the reasons I'm always so tired. You're emotionally drained from interacting with people all day at work. 100%. Work gets my best self, and I apologize Ooh. to you, everyone, <laughs> and also my family. <laughs> Got to find a way to flip that. And give give work your medium self and uh, your worst self and keep your best self for the show and for your family. Oh, that's a really hard ask. I don't know. <laughs> You're right. Claire is also right. Yeah. <laughs> so if anybody has any advice and tips for you know giving less of a shit while still maintaining employment and not being in constant total fear of losing said employment, you can reach out me on uh, Twitter. I don't remember my Twitter handle. It's Trinity something something XYZZ. We'll link to it below if I remember. But let's move on. I was going to talk about my weight loss, but we're already 11 minutes in, so we can save that for the next episode. Where there will hopefully be even more weight loss to discuss. Yeah. I mean, as a spoiler, I'm on my last month of Ozempic right now. My insurance stopped covering it, but I'm going to be, I'll happily report my experience to anyone who's interested. But yeah, let's do some news, starting with an update, a correct, not, not really a correction. We were working with the information we had at the time last week, but Verse has since put out updated stats on how many new wallets they onboarded, how many new users they onboarded for the Jera's drop on Solana. And it turns out it was like a, over 100, I think it was 109 new accounts. So out of 500 minted pieces, that's like 20%. That's really good, actually. I mean, we were kind of like, you had kind of talked me into 30 being a pretty good success case by the end of last episode. And here we are at triple that. I mean, what do you think? That's powerful. It's huge. Right? It's absolutely huge. And that's without, at least at the time of you know the project being published, it being indexed on any of the major Solana platforms from a secondary perspective. I don't know what happened after it, but I just remember seeing Jerez especially reaching out on Twitter, trying to figure out how do I get this attached to some of the major Solana marketplaces. And so the fact that they were able to do that without any of the other major pushes, it's absolutely huge. I assume that they will resolve this if it's not resolved, but also have it up and running for future releases. And so I think it's just something that would continue to drive more traffic diverse and you know just drive more interest. And I think that will be great overall, not only because it's more people buying stuff, but it's also increasing the pool of people who are interested in generative art. Mm -hmm. And I got to shout out myself for my two. I ended up minting my two mint passes. I got number 799. And 867. I'm particularly happy with 799. I think it's a really, really sick iteration. And as you were saying that you thought this project was kind of Coronado-ish, definitely my 799 feels in retrospect very Coronado-ish. So let me let me link it to you now. You like what you like. Yeah, I like what I like. Love this project. And I just really loved the colors on this one and the blending. And I paired it with the other one that was kind of more of those muted pinks and purples, like that palette that was also very present in the project. So one last shout out to Jerez and Verse, an amazing drop. Did you end up trying to free roll at all by selling any of your pieces? It's something that you talked about in the episode. Yeah, I, I waited too many days and the offers kind of evaporated on the curated pieces and they shifted over to the collector curated passes. And those are the ones I really want to use. So, you know, whatever it is, what it is, I have my four. I think they're all great. Love the project, so not mad at it. And who knows, maybe with this project getting listed on a Solana exchange, maybe there will be some frisky action. Maybe I can sell one and cover later. There could be. Uh, I guess we'll see. 
but also just shout out to the team at Verse for coming up with this paradigm because it's something that kind of rewards both speculators and collectors at the exact same time. Yeah, you know, because it's you're ensuring that people are probably able to make a sale, and you're also doubly ensuring that people are able to get exactly what they want. Uh, big day today. We dropped our Chetel Goli interview. Go check that out in advance of the Monument release coming up on Verse. Got a great amount of traction for that on Farcaster. Not so much on Twitter. Farcaster continues to take up more and more of my time. And FX Hash actually is starting to increase their presence there. They've made their own channel. And they even released a frame, which is like a little bit of code that if you just um, paste the URL of a FX Hash drop into one of your posts on Farcaster, it will automatically generate this little frame with the little buttons to uh, generate on the algorithm and then a button to take you to the marketplace and a button to take you to the project page. So it's a really cool way to share FX hash art through these frames because anyone who finds your post can then just click like generate, 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 and they can start seeing all the different expressions of the algorithm. Really cool that they got that up and running so quickly. I've been sharing my uh, tendered posts with that, you know, showing. So today it was like Totemashi's um, cuts. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just pasted the URL so people could see the whole breadth of the algorithm instead of me just pick, picking like two images to share. So really cool. Shout out to the FX hash team on that one. It seems like Farcaster is just becoming more and more the place for generative art, especially, and maybe some other forms of NFTs. I'm curious to see how it gets adopted by people who are not in the space, because obviously while it's great for sharing things there, I think there's a big risk of it becoming a bubble where we're not actually generating Mm -hmm. new interest to new users and just kind of getting like that social flow. We'll see where it keeps on going. I think it has a lot of potential. There's been some great media about it. The Unchained podcast has had two different episodes on it in the last week, Um, one with the founder and one with someone who was a really early user, a woman who goes by Ted, uh, just talking about why she got interested in the platform. You know, one of the benefits of it is the um, protocol that we're using is called, or not even protocol, what do they call it? Do they call it a uh, client? The one that I'm using is called mm-hmm. Warpcast, which is what looks like Twitter, but you can use different clients that look like Reddit or look like Discord. Like Farcaster is the underlying technology, the underlying protocol. So if you decide that you don't like Warpcast or the team that runs it is, is going to shut it down, then you can just adopt one of the different clients and all the following that you've generated carries over because it all over down to this underlying protocol. So, you know, we, we've often talked about this, like the cost of leaving Twitter, you know, even though we get very little engagement there, we still have like almost 3000 followers. So it feels difficult to leave, but mm-hmm. every follower you get through Farcaster, it's like, Hey, like I can take them anywhere. They're earned. Like it feels like a little more solid in that way. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like that, uh, like the open source social type of post where essentially yeah. you can take your posts and your media anywhere that their people are talking about, not via Farcaster, I don't think, but something that's going to be a little bit more like generally open source and publicly available, kind of like a standard protocol that would be usable by all platforms. I think Blue Sky had a similar... They're using that particular protocol, definitely. I don't know if it was Farcaster that they were using, but I, maybe they had their own, but I remember that was part of their mission statement, which was like anyone who uses our standard underlying standard, like you can take your followers anywhere. So it's more about empowering the creator, 
to not feel like they're at risk or being held hostage to only use this one platform that they've developed their following on. So I feel like every other week I'm saying, check out the Unchained podcast, probably bad podcaster <laughs> uh, <laughs> protocol to always be talking about someone else's show. But I think learn more about it there is a great, great idea if you're interested. Last but not least on the news side, the function, the generative art platform that's being created or co-created by an artist that we know from FX Hash, Radar Boy 3000, has launched, but it's still not fully open. So I guess we're going to wait a little bit to talk about the projects there it's for VIPs only. But to give you a sense, there's some work by Radar Boy themselves and an artist called Paul Duco. Who's another co-creator of the platform. Okay, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they'll open it up to the public soon so that Trinity, you can see without having to create a Bitcoin wallet. And um, you know we can talk about what this art actually looks like. I've got mixed opinions on it, but I have to say some of it actually is kind of cool. But we'll save that for a future episode. Moving on to donations. Uh, we have one really awesome donation this week, which is Heart Sleeves number 26 from Lovid. So obviously we've talked about Heart sleeves a bit in the past. The interview with Lovid dropped a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, it was really this past week that I've really had the time to sit down with heart sleeves and play with it. It's so good. It's so fun. Um, in an effort to create more quote unquote culture at work, they've created a number of like Teams channels that are devoted to people's interests. Art is one of them. And so I made my first post in the art channel, which only has one other post. It's okay. Um, you know, with a link to heart sleeves and uh, specifically the um, portrait mode thing that they have. It's super fun. And I really like the ones they sent us. It has a very winter vibe. It's got this kind of figure that almost looks like a space invader traversing the canvas and then these pyramid-like things. I almost read them at snowflakes, maybe because we got snow this week. But it just feels so wintry and appropriate. And we have to figure out because, you know, we can use this now to make some of those interactive pieces. And so I... We get five, I believe. Yeah, but we need to do one for each of us, right? Like we, Or even a couple and uh, mint these things. So yeah, shout out to Lovid for the donation. It's something that we can collaborate on and share, which is really nice. And for people who are interested in exploring Heart Sleeps more, we could always put the link to it in the show notes and also most notably it is still available to mint there are 83 editions remaining at 0.1 eth so go in get one and let's try to get this minted out because it's very cool very exciting and i I don't know if you followed who went to that opening that unfortunately we missed but i mean tyler hobbs was there with his family i mean it was like a who's who of generative artists showing up for their opening in New York here. So bad on us for having families in a podcast <laughs> that we record. Apparently on we should just take the family. We should have taken the family and we should have skipped the podcast so we can go meet all these cool people who showed up pretty approachable. So go check it out. We have some cool art to talk about this week, including an art box curated project. So proscenium by remnant finally dropped I feel like it was a few episodes ago when we first kind of picked up on this and I was like, I think this is going to do really well. And Mm -hmm. boy, did it. It minted out at 1.25 ETH over 400 editions, which is like huge in this modern era, 2023, 2024. And at 1.24 ETH as the resting price of the rebate Dutch auction, 
I think that's probably the bigger news. Like it's something that we've seen previously on a lot of the Arcbox curated projects. Um, that's around the price at which Torrent minted out. And so it just kind of showing the momentum and the cachet that Artbox still has. Also, I have to say, like seeing these reveal has just been crazy because I think that it's showing a wider breadth of algorithm than I was expecting going into it, where you just kind of have like the handful of testaments. You maybe you click through a couple of times, but seeing a bunch of them on the page, you really get a sense for everything that's going on. You know, even just in the first couple of Mints on the recently listed, you have something as like busy and colorful as number 301, which is just cascading watercolor of everything. And then something as minimal as number 358, which is just like little lines and circles just kind of creating a dabbled effect. The artist wrote a really long post about it, and they have a website kind of dedicated to the year plus of work they put into this project. And it shows, right? I mean, I feel like thinking about this one, and then thinking about the Mount Vitruvius, right? Just like polish, precision, everything is done so well in this piece. It kind of reminds me of so many things. Like it kind of reminds me of like some of the more recent Lars Wander stuff. 100%. Yeah, but with even more like depth to it. Like it's doing some of that same kind of painted color stuff, but I feel like you get, you feel the thickness of the paint here more than I have on some other pieces that are trying to execute this effect. I really, really respect just like all the work that went into this and looking at them, some of them that you're just like, oh my God, like this looks so, so good. But I have a caveat, but before I do, I want you to <laughs> to, to give it some more flowers <laughs> if you have anything else to add. No, I mean, I think that it's really great. It's really great looking. It shows a lot of diversity. I don't want to say it's safe overall, but it's something that is kind of an quote unquote obvious hit. Definitely. Based off of the the collector trends that exist within the art block space. You know, people love these things that are colorful, geometric, bold. As you said, it's very similar to some of the recent Mount Vitruvius work. You can kind of tell what's going to do well on the primary. So I think from that perspective, you know, I, I like it more when art blocks takes risks with things like the recent curated work by Sasha Styles and Nathaniel Stern, as well as Operator. Or even Olga F, right? Like just yeah. finding artists that maybe don't have the biggest following and elevating them based on the quality of their work. What's your caveat? Okay. So the caveat is that I feel like the algorithm, the brush, right? Like the paint, everything about that side of it, I feel like they nailed. Like they got it so, 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 so right. But then the diversity, this is something that we used to talk about back when we had the luxury of talking about this for drops. I feel like the diversity is really cookie cutter on this project. It's like, which algorithm do you get? Basically, what style do you get? A spiral. One, two, oh, you got squares. Oh, you got a splatter. And there's even some really cookie cutter kind of outliers. Like, oh, you got one that has a pixelated background instead of, you know, or you got one that's mm -hmm. a weird black on tan palette. So I kind of wish that there was more opportunity within the algorithm to express kind of emergent behavior. Like you, you mm -hmm. went through all the, and, and maybe that's where this artist will go with this, right? Cause obviously they have this huge, they have this library built now with this amazing brush, amazing color application, and they can probably continue to explore this brush tool in a bunch of different ways now. And I would love to see them come up with something that wasn't so on rails when it comes to the actual expression of the pieces it kind of reminded me of, do you remember the exotics piece, Celestial? Oh, 
I mean, and this is something that could theoretically be said about a lot of parametric generative art, you know, where it's which set of permutations do you get? And that's what happens when you work within a parametric space sometimes. I think it's unfair to put this on this project and not on probably 80% of everything else that's been released on our blocks. Yeah, I think it is a little bit unfair. Like I'll, I will own that. But I also think it's just a part of maturing as a collector and a critic Mm-hmm. And kind of like just we've seen so many thousands and thousands of projects over the last two plus years that we've been looking at yeah. this type of generative art. And when you start to see things like that, like when I see the spiral and then I see the spiral every sixth piece, it just makes it feel less special. And it kind of makes it feel a little like an older, again, older, like it's only been a few years, but it feels like an older approach to doing this type of art. I don't know if there's an answer to it. Like, I still think, again, like, yeah. I want to emphasize, like, I think that this is a beautiful piece. Like, I totally understand why people minted it where it did. I, it's got over 200 ETH of secondary action on OpenSea. Like, it's obviously a hit. There's also a really wide number of parameters that kind of help make people find things that feel unique. I think there are 19 styles, a number of different forms, arrangements within that. But I do exactly know what you're saying. You know, another show, Collector's Corner recently did, it was a Twitter space that they turned into an episode just about their opinions and bullishness on generative art. And a lot of things were said in the episode, but one thing in particular stuck out to me and made me think about this piece was like some of the classic generative pieces that we think of and the example they gave was ringers, right? And the goose with ringers. The goose ringer would not be as special if like goose were a 5% chance to occur. Mm-hmm. it's special because it's emergent. It's special because there was nowhere in the code that said draw a goose. And we talk about emergent properties yeah. of pieces and being like, wow, this code is so wild. Can you believe this one looks like that? Or can you believe this one did this? That's what makes some of that older long form stuff feel really special. It's like mm-hmm. it wasn't so well defined. And it makes it's what also makes a lot of the modern stuff feel really special too. I think when someone really swings big and goes for a 400, 500 piece collection like this, and you really, truly don't know what you get. It feels really special to get something that just feels so out of bounds, so so impossible for the code to create. And when the outlier pieces are so well-defined, when the structure for each variation is so well-defined, I think it subtracts from that a little bit, or at least it removes that potentiality for that to happen. Maybe this is less a critique of this piece and more of a critique or an observation of the space at large. And I could even tie this back to like collector curated and how like a collector curated thing like what Verse does makes the idea of having a goose completely empty because anyone can Mm -hmm. click until they find their goose, right? That goes back to one of our first interviews actually with Abstractment, talking about some of the early mint experiences that he had, you know, just trying to roll for that one rare rainbow piece. And I mean, obviously (laughs) that's going back real far in our podcasting days. I'm wondering, because I think that you're exactly right, that the emergent stuff that can come out, like the goose, as you said, makes things more chaseable in a way. It makes it feel more special. It makes it feel more performative from a market standpoint, and you know, obviously from an artistic standpoint as well. But I'm wondering if it's like some of these parametric pieces and you know, I'm just going back and listening to a random podcast that's talking about punks right now. The concept of gotta collect them all. Mm. That is something that works well with from a market standpoint. 
you know, when you have people trying to get specific traits that they can filter for, you know, I think that that's always a really powerful thing. But again, that's speaking into a speculative market action rather than artistic expression. And it's speaking to like a designing as a collectible. Like, mm-hmm. I think it just speaks more to like designing something to be collectible by a group of people versus one person or a very limited group. Yeah, like if you're someone who wants to collect them all and you see a project that has like 10 very neatly categorized ways that it can present, like spiral, grid, lines, you know, mm-hmm. noisy, that's actually great. That makes it really simple for you. I know all 10 I need to get. Awesome. I love it. I have my set complete. And I can find the thing that's exactly what I want. Like I like these three things. Show me all the things that are these three things. Yeah. I only want this palette. I wish this artist had made palettes a feature so that way I could filter for them. You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. the, yeah, there's tons of reasons to do this stuff. It just got me thinking as I was looking through it. And again, I want to reiterate, especially in case Remnant listens to this, because I know I'm going to tag them on Twitter <laughs> and say we talked about the piece, but I think it's it's really, really awesome. It's lovely. I hope that they continue to play with this amazing library that they've built because it is so fantastic. And there will definitely be an iteration that makes the cover of this episode. But this piece combined with listening to that collector's corner episode just really got me thinking about like long form in general, which our blocks is still committed to, right? They're not doing collector curated. They're not doing artist curated. They're doing long form, random mint, even our most recent interview with Yasek and some of the ones prior to that too when you do a random piece that you have to think about, you have to rein in the algorithm, right? I think Yasek brought that up. This is one way to do that, to make these more tidy categories for your work, to make sure that when someone gets a random piece, it's still going to look good. So it's just, it's just mm-hmm. the balance. I don't know. Maybe I'm off on this. <laughs> I don't no, know. What do you think? It's something that we've talked about a lot in the past. And it's something that, you know, as you said, as you see a ton of work, is something that starts to feel more special and valuable when you have things that you can't that just kind of occur, you know, are emergent, as you said. I think that sometimes it's good to have a mix of both without it being quite so fixed, but you still get a lot of different geometries, you still get a lot of different things coming out. I think the question is, is this one project or is this actually just 20 smaller projects in some shape or form? Yeah. It's still great though. And honestly, mm-hmm. like amazing for it to mint out where it did and i think just very encouraging to see projects like this collectors show up for it and like get drawn in and get interested in and be willing to pay and we love to see it mm-hmm. and even though it minted out at 1.2 ish eth floor is currently around 0.5 or 0.6 so you can get in and filter for the exact set of things that you like and see what's available see what's available so- Let's do some shout outs, Trinity. There are some really fun ones to talk about this week. I see you hovering over one there. Do you want to start with that? Sure. I would like to shout out something that really came to the surface today. It was minted today. It's Electro Botanica by Necropunk, who has been kind of on fire for the last couple of weeks after not releasing a lot in the time frame before. But it's just been hit after hit after hit. You know, some some are still available. But this was a piece that really started picking up steam in the tender discord with people sharing a bunch of their outputs. I don't know if any of them particularly stand out, so to speak. They're just really beautiful on their own. It's a black and white kind of a graphite style botanical garden drawing that starts to just slowly draw itself and emerge in like a very satisfying way. 
And it's also one that a piece that is fully responsive. So whatever viewport you're looking at it, whether it's on your phone, your laptop, it should work to fill that square. And depending on your device, it might take a minute or two or three or four to render. It's a pretty intensive piece. And I think they even wrote on Twitter that this was a piece designed to perform better in the future. So they know that it's not the most performative now. It's very intensive. And uh, I really liked, you know, it's, it's got this nod to magnetic forces and physics. And it really reminded me mm-hmm. too of a project I really like, um, Monopole from Orbitanaut, but with mm-hmm. this more organic flair to it, right? Like... Or better not, is a physicist, and who knows, maybe Necropunk is, is a physicist or has a physics background too. But this was kind of like coral or flowers or plants then being controlled by these magnetic fields and just thought it was really cool. And at, and at 3 Tez, it's so sick. And I really encourage everyone to also go back and check out other of Necropunk's work. Almost all of their work has an interactive element to it and crazy use of shaders and just very, very cool stuff. So shout out to Necropunk there. I think we could have shouted it out a couple of weeks ago when it came out, but did you ever pick up or play with Kazetta at all? I didn't look at Kazetta. I think it, it was like minted and then they burned it and then reminted it. But I did get some Grain Streets, mm-hmm. the open edition that was up for a okay. few days. The uh, really cool, like moody lamp posts. What about you? What, what's what's up with Kazetta? Did you mint any of that? Oh, it's just there's a music element to it. I haven't oh. fully figured out all the interactivity. But it's something that felt kind of up your alley. Okay. I'll go back and revisit it. Another shout out here, If Only to Outlive Balloon Designs by John Rising. So I think it was at the end of last week or earlier this week, I did a tendered post about, will it get some wind for the sailboat? One of the last John Rising drops that we talked about, I think. And I even like subtweeted then like, hey, John, like, where's your next drop? And then he wrote back, how about in 20 minutes? <laughs> and then put this piece up there. It's really cool. It's just got, you know, talking about a project that's not on rails, right? It's like every single piece feels really, really different from the last. And you get the sense that there's a lot of potential for strange emergent behavior here, both in the color and the composition. It's still open for mint. It's five tes a pull. I minted four of them and I'm happy with three of the four. It's just really just cool piece. I kind of disagree with your statement about it being not on rails. Oh, you think it is? You think there's a cookie cutter? A little bit. A cookie cutter plus. If okay. you filter for ops, you can kind of see a lot of things emerging through there. I think most notably you see it when you look at number three compared to anything and number 10 compared to anything. Oh, you That's know what? Yeah, you're right. You're right. on your shout out. It's a really great shout out. John Rising has really great taste and we've been enjoying some of his work even from his earliest free drops colored blocks is really notable when that came out and same thing with gradients and you know, they basically just released free work up until very very recently just their last <laughs> three drops another charging a massive five tes <laughs> bank breaking i take your point when you look at when you start filtering it you do see some similarities but even so if you look at like ops number nine they don't follow exactly a structure there's a lot of variety, yeah like there's a lot here. of so, effects that are put on top of it it's yep. the ops kind of promote a theme i'll meet you there i'll meet you there for sure and we got one more here in shout outs transatlantic glide by dan cat on alba i think this is a project that he put up for his birthday or some kind of anniversary it's 0.1 eth which is on the higher side for right now it's only 52 editions though did you check this out, Trinity? Yeah, it is kind of trippy. It's kind of trippy. Like as you move the mouse over it, 
the two to three circles that you get kind of function like windows? Windows or spotlights? It's hard to tell. To me, they're kind of like windows because some of them reveal yeah. one thing and then you go over to a, another circle will come and overlap the same area and it won't show something. So it's kind of like you're getting a view of like what's going on underneath in different dimensions or different realities. There's no consistency to it, which I thought was really interesting. Or maybe it's doing some kind of magnification trick. I'm not exactly sure. But either way, it's a very strange, just interesting interactive piece from Dan here. <laughs> I really like it. And you know, I think this really just speaks to the amazing graphic design skills that Dan has. Uh, when it comes to a lot of the execution of these pieces where everything just feels so curated and so on point, you can just kind of sense the intentionality behind everything that's happening, even within like a long form generative space. Yeah. It's just very delightful. And he does shut out some of his inspirations in the graphic design world and the project description. Kind of makes me want to go back and look at some of his older work on Alba as well as FX Hash. <laughs> yeah, I mean... The way that FX Hash is going right now, I mean, with the offers, you know, Tobias from Tender has been scooping up a ton of Dan Cat work on offers at ridiculous prices. So yeah, definitely. And even even I, what was it just a month or two ago, picked up a Concord on offer that, you know, a piece that again, I, two years ago, I would have never, I would have thought it's too late. I'll never own a Concord. It's too far gone. Concord is so good. I love Concord. So very much worth going back in his library on FX Hash as well. Continuing on FX hash, we have so, I mean, this is maybe the longest looking ahead section we've ever had. Yeah. It was I, Ryan Bell put it February 20th, a Tuesday was going to be a boring taco Tuesday, but then everything is happening on February 20th. So we have three really big drops coming out on FX hash on November 20th. We talked about one previously, Metakinetic by Julian Espagnon, which is that redeemable project, plottable really poppy like super cool looking i don't think it's in the feed yet we just have it on the calendar yeah i didn't see it in the feed yet it's not been posted so we don't know pricing we don't know quantity it's been getting a ton of traction on social media they look amazing they look stunning speaking of emergence based off of what we've seen so far obviously infinite equation of us i ryan bell coming out we do have pricing for that. It's going to be 420 editions and only 6.9 Tez. So Ryan really going for the meme numbers on that one. And that is in the queue. So you can go play with the generator, look at variations of that and uh, get excited for a very affordable I Ryan Bell piece coming up. When I look at this, and this is no shade on you, Ryan, if you're listening, I I just kind of wonder if he's okay. (laughs) Uh, Just looking at kind of like the chaotic pricing differences and addition sizing between what he did on Prohibition, his FX hash ETH drop, this drop. It kind of feels like this is a guy who's throwing just whatever at the Mm -hmm. wall. Not necessarily to see what sticks, but just to throw things at the wall. For the sake of throwing. (laughs) Yeah. Could be. You know, who knows? I think the important thing is that Ryan's back releasing Mm -hmm. art after what felt like at least a year away. So I'm looking forward to this one. I will definitely mint one or two of these if I can get it. I mean, who knows? This could be one that people really rush to it because the price point is just so enticing. And also on the 20th, this is crazy. Spellbound by Anna Lucia and an artist named Phoebe Hees or Hees or Hess or Hess, a generative scarf that's going to use your voice as input for the params. It's 200 Tez, open edition. And I guess that 200 is inclusive of the scarf. Is that right? 
I think so, just based off of pricing. It is not officially redeemable that I can see, at least not redeemable yet. Perhaps they're waiting to see how many get created. And not only is it like params, it's another new way of doing params. It's based off of a voice recording. You click the record button, it records your voice. You can, I guess, sing a song. You can be quiet. You can just put a screaming newborn in front of their <laughs> I don't know, and it will generate a pattern. And I'm going to go ahead, just for the sake of clarity, read directly from the description here. And they're saying that Spellbound is the first FX hash project combining personalized on-demand fashion and generative art, pushing towards a more unique and sustainable future of fashion. Spellbound creates singular designs within a broader collection, resulting in cohesive aesthetics that allow individual expression while belonging to a tribe. The scarf is 75 by 12 inches and made of sustainable merino wool. Production and shipping costs are included in the token price. And uh, you'll have until the 14th to redeem it. So yeah, I don't know if they're going to redeem it through FX Hash or through another site, but either way, all-inclusive, 200 Tez for a one-of-one scarf that you get to customize through your voice is pretty sick. Yeah. I mean, I'm also just a freak for Merino. So mm-hmm. I saw that word and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm definitely getting this. It's also interesting that this is under Ana Lucia's a Playground account as well which implies that she might be doing more experimental stuff in the future. Very, very cool. Definitely looking forward to that one. The much-anticipated Tectonica is coming out tomorrow on the 16th, so we'll definitely be able to talk about that on the next episode. It's only going to be 15 Tez, 200 editions. That one could be very, very competitive. One other thing to talk about with Tectonica, it is reminiscent of kind of what was happening with the um, Jera's piece on Verse, And that is the fact that it is params, but also it's about creating triptychs. Not only are you trying to create one piece, but you have the opportunity to kind of create your full triptych and it will be fully seamless. You can kind of create that similar ticket economy that could be around people completing their triptychs and or just creating additional new pieces. That's something that's kind of cool and special about this piece. Interesting. I'm I'm curious to see how that's going to play out I guess you need three tickets, but... You don't need to make a triptych. You don't need to, but if you wanted to, it's they're basically encouraging, or they're basically saying that since the seeds that you get served are going to be tied to your wallet, you can mint three of the same seed, but they will each be different. So you can make a triptych that are all from the same palette or from the same kind of style, but they'll all work together. So yeah, I'm definitely curious to see mm-hmm. how that's going to play out if anyone takes advantage of that. And the pricing is just so good like similar to what we saw with dry it's kind of like a sweet spot if you ask me but it is weird i just thematically speaking that why is it 200 200 is not divisible by three so (laughs) it should be 300 (laughs) it should be 300 or literally anything that's divisible by three 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 seems like a really good number actually well it's too late they're not going to hear this so we'll see what happens but either way we've been looking forward to that for so long i'm excited to mint at least one hopefully it's not super competitive um, Barbarians and Monument coming up on Verse. And then we haven't talked about this yet, but Bright Moments Paris is next week. And honestly, maybe considering both our birthdays are in this month and belated happy birthday, by the way, Trinity. Thanks. Should we have planned to go to Paris? <laughs> should we have told the wives that we're doing a birthday trip to Paris for this Bright Moments thing? I guess we could have done. Obviously too late now. <laughs> It's never too late. There is a hotel floor to crash on somewhere. 
Oh, surely. Roxanne would let us sleep on his floor for sure. 1,000%. The lineup here is crazy. Andreas Giesen, Anna Carreras, Aranda Lash, Camille Rue, and Matthew Sigret, Florian Zumbron, Harm Van Adorpel, Jeff Davis, Luke Shannon, Martin Grasser, Maya Mann, Roxanne, Sarah Ridgely. And that is just the long-form generative. Then there's like AI art, and there's this Bright Moments Paris artist in residence. So it's got like Julian Gachado and William Watkins, who we haven't heard from in a while. And that's kind of being partnered with Highlight, actually. So mm-hmm. this is just like a huge event. There's like 25 different artists you're going to be able to mint work from. And there's still about 300 mint passes remaining. But probably by the time this episode goes up, I imagine they'll be gone. Hopefully. I mean, <laughs> and I think there's just so many other kind of events that are happening adjacent, as we said, to Bright Moments Paris. Has it officially been announced yet? Wait, what do you mean? Has it been officially announced yet? <laughs> the uh, tender. The AI thing. Yeah. Is that associated with Bright Moments or is it just coincidentally at the same time? It's coincidentally. Yeah, there's definitely other groups taking advantage of the fact that a lot of people are going to be in Paris. I think there's like a big Farcaster meetup also happening at the same time. So mm-hmm. next week is a good time to be in France for sure. Oh, it's tender is in collaboration with Verse. Okay. Trinity, I thought in particular that you would be kind of hyped on this highlight part, not just necessarily for the artists who are cool and providing great work, but they release these as a cross-chain mint. So if you go to one of these pieces that I've linked in the notes here, I think they're all minted on base chain, but it'll let you pay using a different chain if you want. So mm-hmm. you can pay with credit card, of course, but if you connect your wallet and go to Mint, it'll say like, how do you want to Mint? You can pay off of Zora or Optimism or any base. of the chains that they support, but it'll Mint it to you on base. And so this is a really cool like multi-chain expression that highlights trying out here to just really mm-hmm. make it even easier for people to Mint these projects. So it's what we need in order to have a cross-chain slash chainless, simultaneously chainless world. These all appear to be open editions too. So that's kind of fun. Like there's right now 75 minted of the Watkins piece and it closes in 14 days. So definitely go check these out. We'll put the links below. Okay, last but not least, Trinity, this is a, this is a late edition here. What do you have for us from Patak? This is a unknown piece. We don't know what it's called. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Patak in the, in the past. Famous for having done one of the few trees slash forests that you actually love, Will. <laughs> That's true. It's your true. favorite forest. It but might be. over the last two weeks, just you know, really starting this month, he's been teasing some really cool looking new work on his socials. Uh, I've been looking at it on Instagram. I think you've probably been looking at it on Twitter. And it's something that looks pretty cool and special, kind of reminiscent of the uh, Artbox curated piece that we were just talking about earlier today. Yeah, it's really funky. It's kind of got like a magic marker, almost kind of vibe to the brush. It also kind of reminds me of like some Juan RG stuff, the uh, Caminos piece. Mm-hmm. This is pretty rad, pretty wild. And just Paulo is just like an artist that seems to constantly be reinventing their style and pushing themselves in different directions here. And this is just, again, like a new unexpected thing. I'm going to drop you the thing I just posted. If you click on it, it's just an animated version or just kind of goes through a ton of different outputs. You really get the sense of the breadth, whether it's thin lines, thick lines, cross-hatched lines. So this runs the gamut and I don't know where this is coming out, but it's really darn cool. Great catch. And I think that 
does it, Trendy. Yeah. Do you want us to take us out? Yeah, let's take it out. Let's keep it on the shorter side. Run through the patrons real quick. Big, big, big thanks to our patrons, starting with Melissa Wiederact, Nat Emoti, Verse, FX Hash, Charlie Middleton, Dan Cat, Dirtis, EGS5000, Jerez, Michael Anthony, Mike G, Operating System, Ortoro, Abstractment, Ralgo, Roxanne, Sean Yost, and Tender. Thank you all for your support. I mean, another great episode in the books. We always sneak a little bit of fun discussion in there, even when we don't have a topic, Trinity. <laughs> if I do get this business off the ground, this party game business, I might need you to become a co-captain on in game design here in the Google Docs with me. You know, Are you up for the challenge? We'll put it on Notion. I'm down. Are you big on Survivor, by the way? Have you been watching much of it? I was big on Survivor back in 2001. I've not really been big on it since... 2002 or 2003 but that was my goal was to be on survivor one day when i was old enough to be on it i'm not old enough to be on it and you're not too old there's people who are even in their 50s rudy yeah exactly rudy rudy was ancient and now they give you like food and stuff i mean the modern game is way softer it's more about the social side than making you suffer i mean you still have to sleep on the beach or sleep on bamboo if i gave you a season or two to watch do you think you can get claire to buy in absolutely not her type of reality show she's not into competition we can barely get through rupaul's drag race which we both truly love okay this is going to be far down the list it needs just to have more chaotic people attempting failed relationships it's got to be relationship based okay okay i see i see 90 day fiance is pretty much where it's at (laughs) if it's on tlc i've been on like a huge reality tv binge for the last four years but it has to be competition based like it has to be gamified not so much the relationship mm. stuff although i can get down with like a love is blind style show and love on the spectrum just because that's just so wholesome i don't know yeah. if you guys have tried that one but very very good uh yeah obviously the u.s version sucks the australian version or the new zealand version yeah definitely yeah you know strawberry boom boom in my mouth you can't beat that line that's too funny it's too good <laughs> i like that you have that just at the top Oh, yeah. I'm thinking about it all the time. (laughs) Strawberry boom boom. (laughs) It's too good. All right. Let's wrap it up. We have to talk some logistics. Thank you, Trinity, for recording as always. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. More interviews to come. So much great stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.